Welcome to PwC's The Global Realities of Cybersecurity podcast series. I'm your host, Richard Horn, based in London for PwC in the UK. Each episode of this series, we'll be inviting along some of our colleagues who are experts in their fields to discuss what they do at PwC and what they're focusing on in the ever-changing world of cybersecurity. Today's conversation is centred around how CISOs should plan to balance cost reduction in the midst of COVID-19 with the constant need to increase security capability. I'm joined by two of my colleagues here at PwC, Sarge Nair and Tim Allen. Thank you very much for joining me today, Sarge and Tim. I'll give you a brief opportunity to introduce yourselves. Sure, hi Richard, uh, I'm Sarge Nair. I'm a partner at uh, PwC Canada and I lead our national cybersecurity, privacy and financial crime practice. And hi, Richard. I'm Tim Allen. I'm a partner out of PwC UK, and I lead our turnaround practice, and I also oversee our cost reduction proposition. So, Tim, many organisations globally are under financial pressure right now. Can you describe what that means and what the financial focus will be for most organisations? Sure, Richard. So what we're seeing is clearly unprecedented times. Um, We are going through the worst recession in over 300 years. But there are winners and losers. Um, The losers are quite clear. Those in the travel industry, airlines, those in some kind of physical entertainment, casual dining stocks, for example. Um, Those in the oil industry, where we saw the oil price turn negative in April this year. Now, if you look at the winners, you've got the big tech stocks. You've got uh, home entertainment um, companies doing well. You've got some food retailers doing very well, particularly the supermarkets. You've got logistics stocks as well thriving. So anything to do, um, stay at home, doing well. What is common across all of these companies and all sectors is there is a renewed focus on cash and on cost. Cash is king and cost really has come under a lot of scrutiny. Businesses have done zero-based budgeting programs, cutting any discretionary spend in a matter of weeks. What they've also done, though, is look at their digital transformation programs. As a turnaround practitioner, I'm very sceptical always about the forecast um, benefits of a digital transformation program, particularly those benefits in year two and year three, which businesses never seem to get to. But what we've seen is those programs have been massively accelerated so that businesses can now do everything virtually, whether it's meetings, through to enacting with their customers, through to their operations and how they manage their workforces. It's clear that in the light of COVID-19 affecting many companies' bottom line, CISOs are having to take a hard look at their cybersecurity programmes and make tough calls around what to hold back and what investments really need to press ahead. Sarge, what advice would you have for a CISO in that position? And are there any tips on how to make the case to continue to invest in certain areas, even though the finances are tough? Yeah, sure, Richard. So, um, you know, as Tim mentioned, you know, most organisations or uh, have had to pivot towards uh, you know zero basing pretty quickly uh, on their budgets, and what we also finding is that you know different industries are impacted differently. So CISOs are facing different types of pressures in different industries. But overall, what we're finding is you know CISOs are taking a, a look at the overall portfolio of investments and categorizing them uh, into three main categories is what I've seen. Uh, the first one is uh, anything to do with uh, regulatory or compliance. The second one is around risk reduction. 
And the third one is business enablers. And, and I'll explain what each of those means. So you know, anything to do with uh, regulatory and compliance, really what that is focused on is there's a very specific obligation that you have to meet uh, for a industry regulator or for operating in certain jurisdiction. Um, so in those cases, you know, it, those are a bit more easier, I would say, to get funding for because you have to comply with them. There is no option not to. Uh, having said that, we are still finding that in some cases you have to, as a CISO, you know, justify, you know, what is the implication of non-compliance, and you know, does that outweigh the uh, the the implication of uh, and the investments required for for compliance as well? So it's it's a matter of weighing that out. But in most cases, we are finding anything regulatory or compliance driven is a bit more easier to justify. Then comes the second category, which is risk reduction. So this is really focused on how do you reduce your cyber risk in line with the risk appetite that your audit committee, your board might might have set uh, for your organization. And, and in that regard, we are finding that's where it becomes a bit challenging because in some situations, what we're finding is the, the, the risk appetite itself has changed. You know, we need to keep in mind that cyber is just one of many risks our clients face and organizations face. So in doing that, you know, having that conversation with management and audit committee around, are we still aiming for a lower risk appetite or a slightly higher risk appetite in the current environment is a useful conversation to have. And then the other thing we are also finding is there are often, you know, audit committee commitments or risk management committee commitments that CISOs have made. So is there any flexibility on that? If the risk appetite hasn't changed and there's no change in the audit committee commitments, then you can tie your initiatives back to those commitments and therefore, you know, find a way to push forward with the investments. Um, and in doing so, what we also find some of the more progressive security programs and CISOs are doing is that they are trying to quantify the risk and, you know, they're reaping the rewards of some of the advanced methods they may have put in, in uh, risk quantification and, and making those cases for uh, cyber investments. And then we've got the third category, which is really focused on the business enablers. So we're finding that, you know, in the last three months, a lot of the organizations are looking at pushing, you know, more of their customer, you know, uh, interactions online, digital. We're looking at new ways of uh, working within the organization. A lot of the companies are looking at automation as a way of future proofing and making their, you know, processes more resilient. So each of these come with their own cyber risks. And, you know, what we're finding most CISOs are doing is as organizations pivot towards these business enablers, you know, how do we bake in the cyber piece of those uh, co uh, the costs within those broader programs rather than uh, try to justify the investment separately. So bundling it together into the overall program is uh, often uh, where we are finding CSOs are getting a lot of success in getting those investments. So to summarize, you know, categorizing the investments by either risk uh, or com uh, you know, regulatory compliance or whether it's risk reduction or whether it's business enablers and then taking different tactics is the way uh, you know uh, we are finding that CSOs are being successful in getting the investments despite the, uh, the fiscal pressures that they're facing. Thank you, Sarge. So Tim, what would your advice be to a CISO who probably has an investment program to improve the security controls for their organization in order to manage risk, but will recognize the need to help their organization through the financial pinch point? Yeah, so I mean, it's picking up a bit of what Sarge said there, really. I mean, firstly, you need to understand what the financial contact is for your business and for your industry. As I touched upon already, impact does vary. So really understand, appreciate that. You know, previously, the financial benefits for the program was probably a consideration and the financial costs as well, but perhaps not so much uh, primary consideration. Whereas now, 
for most businesses, you know, even if you're doing well, discretionary costs uh, and cost of investment are going to be a focus. Um, so it's really thinking very carefully about those, working with your finance team to best quantify what are the financial benefits and what are the the financial risks and costs which are perhaps being mitigated by the investment. Also, I think there's a real piece about demonstrating how you've sought to deliver the work in, in different ways. So what compromises have been made or what alternatives have been pursued and uh, are being actioned to lower the cost of delivery? So that might be uh, engagement with, with the suppliers. Uh, and we see many of our clients speaking with their suppliers uh, reflecting the financial pressures that everyone is under and asking them to um, be mindful of that and see what they're able to do with their rates and um, offer other incentives. Also thinking different ways around how you deliver um, the change. So make versus buy decisions, the uh, use of um, offshore resource as well to lower the cost. All of these factors, I think, uh, are important for them, the CISOs to demonstrate that they've considered and gives them the best chance of demonstrating to the organization why their program is so important and, and should consider con, uh, continue and also demonstrate how they've shown value of money, value for money for the change. And Sarge, are there any areas where prudent CISOs can maybe look to save costs for their organization? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of areas that we are seeing a fair bit of activity right now, um, you know, amongst amongst organizations and, you know, where CISOs are looking for savings. And the first one that, you know, a lot of our CISOs, you know, clients are looking at is the looking at optimizing their cyber technology stack. You know, um, Richard, as a way of, uh, you know, just a bit of statistics, you know, in, in, uh, in a small organization, they could have anywhere around 20 cybersecurity tools. Um, in medium organizations, it could be anywhere around 50 or so. And then in large organizations, it could be, in 100, 150 plus cybersecurity tools. So these tools have proliferated over time, trying to fix, you know, very discrete uh, issues. And now is a good time to kind of look at the overall security architecture and question, do you really need all of these tools? Is there an opportunity to perhaps, you know, pull back a bit or maybe, you know, rather than invest in, you know, all sort of best in breed tools, is there a better way to get optimization by, you know, uh, going after a more integrated play with certain vendors rather than, you know, by best of breed point solutions. So, um, you know, cyber technology stack is one area where a lot of the CSOs are currently looking at, you know, there is definitely more efficiencies and cost savings to be get, uh, to be obtained there. The other thing that we are seeing is a lot of the CSOs right now have put new tool purchase on pause and really exploring, I'll be maximizing the investment from my existing tool set. Um, so if we've got a best of breed tools and we've only got a couple of use cases enabled on that, you know, should we be looking at, you know, maximizing more usage of that before we go and buy more tools? Um, so that's the first area. The second area is operational excellence. So this is really looking at, you know, when we look at our security and risk processes, do we have opportunity to redefine it, you know, drive more efficiency in, into it by, you know, process reengineering, potentially automating certain parts of it? you know, revisiting our overall risk appetite and therefore triaging the way we look at, you know, which projects we do risk assessments for or which vendors we do risk assessments for. So there's really an opportunity to kind of revisit 
the security processes itself. And, you know, tied to that is also the staffing strategy. You know, we've, we've all learned in the last three, four months that a lot of the work can be done virtually. Um, and especially for global companies that have access to a global talent pool, you know, exploring is there a way to kind of shift some of that cost, uh, to perhaps other countries where you can get more, you know, efficiencies in terms of cost for, for conducting certain activities, uh, in your security program. So operational excellence is the second one. And the third one that we are finding is, you know, in light of COVID, uh, a lot of the organizations have put uh, several of their projects on pause, even within their technology organization. So there is this excess talent sitting there within your risk or technology organization that you could perhaps tap into for your security programs uh, rather than, you know, get external help. So so that's another area that we are seeing that, you know, CISOs are getting very creative in how they can help the organization in the overall, uh, you know, fiscal pressure that they're facing. And then looking forward, as we think about hopefully an economic recovery, what will be the likely features of that, Tim? And what would that mean for a CISO? I think the key word there, Richard, was hopefully. Um, clearly, clearly, recovery is going to come at, at, at some point. But I, I think, you know, whether it's a V-shape, a U-shape, or as I heard one commentator describe it the other day, a bathtub shape, um, recovery curve, there is clearly a lot of uncertainty. Uh, and I think the recovery rate will will very much vary by by country uh, and territory linked to obviously the ability of that territory to manage COVID. But also it's going to clearly um, be very linked uh, or very dependent on the sector that you're in. Um, we're seeing uh, a number of themes already. Um, we're seeing companies really think about how they deliver their work now going forward. Uh, what lockdown has really demonstrated is there are certain things that businesses used to do previously, which people are now fundamentally questioning. There's lots of services that was delivered, which people are now saying, well, actually, for three months, I live without that. Why, why do I need that service? Um, people are thinking about their use of, of their property. Um, a lot of businesses, as we heard about Twitter, saying that effectively they're, they're going to let go, they're going to... Um, close down their corporate HQ. And businesses, I think for CISOs, though the good news for businesses with CISOs is technology is clearly going to become more and more important because it effectively enables people obviously to move online and have them have the physical less um, contact, if you will. But it also creates uh, a much more uh, typically agile um, business and I think that is going to be fundamental for businesses across all sectors as they continue to manage the uncertainty that we're probably going to be living with for, for the next few years. So Sarge and Tim, as we begin to wrap up today's conversation, I'd love to get some final thoughts from each of you. Firstly, you know, I want to thank all the CISOs globally for the work they're doing and their team. Um, this has been a very stressful time. You know, we've all seen a lot of uptick in, in attacks out there. And in some cases, you know, the attack levels have been the same, but there's been variants of that uh, using COVID themes and so on. It's been a very stressful time. Um, and, you know, I want to thank all the CISOs and the team for doing what they're doing and protecting and keeping our digital, you know, ecosystem safe. Um, you know, what I'm hearing from a lot of CISOs is it's, um, you know, 
spending cut is a bit of a double edged sword. And on one hand, uh, on one end, you know, there is, you know, concerns around how do we manage risk. On the other end, you know, some CSOs, frankly, are feeling a bit of relief uh, because over the last, you know, three to five years, there was, there's been so much, you know, focus on cyber. There, there's a lot of awareness. So they've been going full throttle, you know, trying to put in all these controls and mitigations in place. And some of them are going, you know, maybe now is the time for a bit of a breather, <laughs> you know, before the spending opens up again. Um, having said that, you know, one thing that's come very clearly through the pandemic has been, um, you know, access to information to make more data driven decisions. You know, when the whole uh, landscape changed in the last three months, CISOs needed information and information fast so that they could make decisions quickly. And one of the insights we've drawn from our latest uh, Digital Trust Inside Pulse survey is that 100% of the respondents said that they want, you know, better access to that information to make data-driven decision. Um, and in doing so, really what they're talking about is, you know, things like real-time threat intelligence, ability to do data analytics, you know, quick visibility into the attack surface and exposure, ability to do risk-based, um, you know, quantification of risk so you can justify investments. So it's really about, you know, what I think is over the next couple of months, the CISOs have a bit of an opportunity to take a bit of a breather, reimagine what the security program should look like, and how do we make it smarter, better, more efficient going forward? Uh, so I think, you know, now is the time to do that. Yeah, I guess that's similar in some ways. Um, in, in turnaround, we often use a quote from Winston Churchill, which is a well-used one of never waste a good crisis. And, um, you know, we're, we're certainly in a crisis here uh, as a world, but, but there's opportunities. Um, and I think for CISOs, there's the opportunity I touched upon already, which was looking at um, how the business has changed, how their world has changed since, since COVID and um, probably lots of different territories have been in lockdown, what activity they can do differently. And then I think there's also a huge opportunity in terms of adapting with the business as as it as it as the rest of the business changes um i were used the word agility earlier and i think to Sarge's point he he sort of characterized it with operations customers and workforce as the three lenses i i'd be very close with the head of head of um, customer sales with the hrd the head of operations to really understand how those businesses how those functions likely to change over over the next few months um having much more regular and frequent engagement with them because it's clear that the pace of change is just unprecedented really and and no one is knows what's coming in the in the next week quite frankly whereas previously we, people were looking out years and i think that engagement is is really the key thing for CISOs across their organizations to stay connected to all the change that is taking place thank you so much Sarge and tim for taking the time to speak with me today this has been a great discussion to the viewers, be sure to check out our previously recorded episode of The Global Realities of Cybersecurity and stay tuned for details around our upcoming podcasts. Thank you. Copyright 2020 PWC. All rights reserved. PWC refers to the PWC network and or one or more of its member firms, each of which is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com forward slash structure for further details.
This content is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.